Let's pray. In the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. All of God's children said, Amen. Imagine, if you will, you were living in New York City in a studio apartment. And you can't go to sleep because the faucet's leaking. And all the doors are stuck. There's water damage that's left a hole in your ceiling that has light peering through from the apartment above. There's several questionable people that have begun sleeping and selling drugs out of the unlocked basement below. And the toilet, we won't even get started on the toilet. Imagine the radiator turns all the 600 square feet of space into a sauna in the winter and the lackluster air conditioning unit strapped precariously inside your only window ensures it stays just as warm as it does in the wintertime during the summer. I know you've complained to the owner when he actually picks up your call, which is about once or twice every three years. He simply chuckles and reminds you, hey, $3,500 a month is a steal for a New York studio apartment. (laughs) And he's probably right, but you're stuck. For many New York residents, living in a dangerous and disgusting apartment is a tough and current reality. With housing so scarce and affordable rent almost non-existent, a good number of New Yorkers find themselves at the mercy of their slumlord. Those building owners who hold their tenants hostage with insanely low rent, yet in return refuse to protect their dignity or their safety by maintaining the facility according to even the most modern of living standards. The problem's gotten out of hand so much so that the city of New York has a watch list for its worst landlords. On that website, it allows angry tenants to lodge official complaints, and prospective renters, it allows them to search and see if the apartment of their dreams could actually turn out to be a nightmare. The nastiest of the slumlords not only find themselves facing fines from the city, but worst of all, the scorn of other New Yorkers. At the end of last year on the watch list were a total of 626 buildings that house a total of 13,500 rental units. These watch-listed buildings average, you ready? Almost 70,000 open violations against the housing and preservation and development law. The worst slumlord on the list, number one, has 15 buildings with 306 rental units with almost 3,000 open violations. Such problems are nothing new for tenants. We come to our gospel lesson today and we hear the, the parable of the tenants. Jesus offers this parable, and what else? It talks about a rough relationship between the landlord and the tenant. But in Jesus' story, it's not the landlord who's abusing his power and fails to care for those living on his land. It's, It's the tenants who take advantage of the landowner's trust and generosity. Jesus had entered the final week of his life. It was time for any doubts about his mission 
his ministry and his message to be cleared up among both his disciples and those who were against him. It was time to increase the intensity, to turn up the heat, if you will, with this parable. It's almost like opening the oven and cranking it to 450 degrees and and filling the air with the intensity of the heat, which brought his ministry in Jerusalem to a boil. The message was clear. God is like a landlord who has leased his vineyard, his kingdom, to Israel as laborers. The time has come for God to demand fruit from his workers. He wants to see faith in his promises, repentance of sins, trust in his messengers. He wants his vineyard producing a wine that leaves the boundaries of the kingdom walls. And as it does, it fills the entire world with goodness of what God grows. But rather than produce a measurable crop for the owner, the vineyard's residents have sat on their hands and have nothing to show God. As if that weren't bad enough, they've ignored his warnings of eviction and murdered every agent, or in the case of Israel, the prophets. Murdered the ones he sent to represent his interests. Jesus proclaims, enough is enough. A time is at hand when the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruits. God is not a a slumlord. But Israel, however, was unfaithful and unfruitful. The time of eviction had come, the time for for new tenants, for faith-filled, Messiah-following, cross-focused tenants. Soon after saying all this, Jesus would be arrested. Go figure after everything he said, because the people he was speaking to knew he was talking about them. It's tempting for us today, you know, the, the new tenants manning the vineyard, to read these words as simply a rebuke of the old guard. But that would be kind of short-sighted. Now, if your landlord feels the need to recount stories of, of previous renters who, who failed to pay on their rent on time through parties that brought visits from the police or who dared to paint walls without permission, he's not simply reminiscing about the past. All of this is instruction for us. To be sure, God isn't about to kick the church out of the kingdom and start from scratch. That's not in the plan. This parable is not a threat to us. But it is highly instructive for us. From it, we can determine what God's expectations are for those who've been given the task of living in his kingdom, producing fruit, Sending wine out into the world. This could easily be, and today, as I talk about it, it is a parable of stewardship. You know, managing God's stuff on God's behalf. There are two important pieces to stewardship. One is what we've been entrusted with. And the second is what in the world we're supposed to do with it. So we start by looking at what we've been entrusted with. As tenants, we've each been entrusted with two things, the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of our personal and worldly goods. Both come from God. Both are to be used in service to God. 
The gospel is the message that despite humankind's universal rebellion against God's authority, God desires a reconciled relationship, a reunited relationship between God and us. God has pursued us through the sending of his son and made reconciliation possible through him. Because of the cross, the entire world is now welcome to enter the vineyard and labor under God's love. God has not only blessed us through that message, but has made us the distributors of that message. Paul's command to Timothy to guard the good deposit of sound, life-giving teaching applies not only to teachers of the faith, but to all those who've been granted the gift of faith. We must also recognize that all things, whether it's the clothes on our back, the dollars in our wallets, and even the rented ceilings above our heads, belong to God and are on loan to us from God. King David reminds us in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it. God owns everything. It's simply been leased to us. First Timothy chapter 6 says, we bought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. We are renters of everything and owners of nothing. So what we do with what we have, as we see in the parable, it takes more than simply knowing how blessed you are and who the owner is to be considered faithful. The tenants did not understand that in the parable that Jesus told. Now a good tenant is a solid steward. A solid steward does something with the gospel and with the goods. And that produces a crop. He makes sure that both leave the vineyard in a way that brings blessing to the world at large. Which begs a lot of questions. How long has it been since you last read the scriptures with your grandchildren? Have you yet matured to the place where you can pray for a coworker? that you don't like? Is there growth in knowledge of your faith? If called upon, could you even begin to defend your faith? What kind of crop are you producing with the gospel? How are you doing it managing what God's given you? Whether it's much or a little, are you seeking to grow what God's given you? Is there anyone out there who could tell a story of being blessed by your generous sharing of goods at any time? Especially when their vineyard felt empty and bare. Are we producing a crop? I mean, be honest. What do we have to show for the vineyard that we're in? From 1955 to 2017, the Village Voice published in New York was an American news and culture paper known for being the country's first alternative news weekly. One time, the newspaper turned the tables on the debate over terrible landlords. The paper ran an article noting that for every bad owner, 
there was an equally bad renter. They talked about those who are always in need of an extension on the extension on the extension on the extension of their rent. There's the party guy who can't help but play his music very loud. There's the, the vandal who paints and puts holes in walls and even does a bit of remodeling without permission. Not to mention the person down the hall whose apartment is ripped from that reality television show called Hoarding. There are slumlords, the article argued, but just as prevalent are slum tenants. I think sometimes too many of us tend to live as spiritual squatters on this kingdom land, refusing to give God much of anything in return. And it's an easy trap to fall into. Just as the renters in Jesus' story. I mean, when it seems the owner to be absentee, often another country, or one begins to wrongly assume that he's never coming back for his property or he truly doesn't care for it. As a result, we live as though we can do what we want with it. But we can't. And we shouldn't. One Los Angeles landlord posted a rental opportunity on Craigslist, but rather than selling others on the benefits of being His tenant, he openly admitted just how bad of a landlord he was. The ad starts out by saying, we take great pride in our inability to keep good tenants happy. Do you pay your rent on time every month? We will reward you by increasing it to the maximum allowable limit every year like clockwork. Love hot water for your morning shower? Who doesn't? Well, you won't find those kinds of luxuries here. The water temperature is tepid at best. Don't worry when the ceiling leaks on sunny days. Those are pipes above the ceiling that are leaking. Even though you see air conditioners in two other apartments, don't be fooled into thinking that you too may enjoy electronically cooled rooms. And should you decide to install an air conditioner in your unit, you will find an eviction notice taped to your door. If we were to write an equally honest posting about ourselves as tenants in God's kingdom, as workers in his vineyard, what would we say? Would we admit that we at times are incredibly ungrateful? At times we're unfruitful? Would we confess that we tend to live as if everything we've been given by God is actually ours to keep? No matter what you'd write, there's good news. And the good news is because of the work of Jesus Christ, he would still be glad to have you as his tenant, as his worker in the vineyard. Even if you refuse to pay your rent on time. What kind of tenants are we? We have been entrusted with so much. And we are the inhabitants of God's incredible vineyard. Life-giving wine must flow from the walls of the vineyard. Did you know the United States consumes more wine than any other region in the world? Including France, which was the previous title holder. We love our wine. In Jesus' parable, wine and fruit are equal. 
with his life-giving message of love and forgiveness, which many argue is increasingly unpopular today. Why is it that so many people would rather have a bottle of their favorite wine than the wine from the Lord? Why would they be not willing to taste what God has to offer? Is it the message? Is it what we're exporting? How can we, as exporters of God's great wine, increase its popularity and consumption? We need to remember that this is the season for fruit. We are to be the best stewards we can with the message and gospel of Jesus Christ and all that we've been given. God will not take it away from us. But God still expects much from us. We've been given the gospel. We've been entrusted with so much. No matter where we live, in an apartment or in a mansion. I pray it may be used to bear incredible fruit for the kingdom. So how are you doing in bearing fruit from the vineyard? What kind of wine are you sharing with the people you come in contact with from the gospel message? How are you helping them to taste and see that the Lord is good? Amen.